What must I do to be saved? What a question. Another way to ask it would be, what must I do to know the forgiveness of God? Now, I want to give you my personal experience. I have had individuals answer that question from two broad extremes. In my life, I have had some to answer that question by taking away things that I find in the Bible that I have learned are very important to God. God says this in reference to being saved, but I have had friends to remove some of those requirements. And so they tell me that I don't have to do everything the Bible says do to be saved. At the same time, I have had some friends that are more overbearing than God, and they tell me that I have to do things to be saved, to be in God's fellowship, and to be right, righteous, that are based upon their opinion or man-made tradition and things that I do not find in the Bible at all. And so if you're like me, you can find yourself somewhat frustrated over trying to grasp an answer to the question, what do I have to do to know the forgiveness of God? I know of no better way to answer that question than to just going to God Himself. I mean, He ought to know what I need to do to please Him and to receive the forgiveness of His heart. And so this morning, I would like for us to do that. I would like for us to turn to one book of the New Testament. Watch this. I would like for us to think about one word as it occurs repeatedly in that one book of the New Testament. And just let God tell us from His perspective what we must do to be saved or know His forgiveness. Now what we want to do is turn to the book of Acts. And in doing so, we want to focus on the word aphesis. Brother Dan, that's a new one to me. Aphesis. It's translated in the English Standard Version, forgiveness. In other translations, it is translated either forgiveness or remission. And so we have entitled our lesson, Permission to Enjoy the Remission of Sins. What do I have to do to grant permission to enjoy the remission of the forgiveness of my sins? We're going to let God tell us what we need to do. Now, to make this very, very helpful and simple, that's the way I like to think. We're going to use an illustration all the way through our study. We're going to use a combination lock. How many of you ever used a combination lock on a locker at high school or junior high? Raise your hand. 
Okay. Do they still have those? Raise your hand if they still have those. Well, good. We can communicate. Now, whenever I was in high school, we had a locker, and you would put uh, your books and your possessions inside that locker. You would close the locker, and then you would put a combination lock on the locker, and you would twist the dial, and when you wanted to get back in, you would come to the combination, and you would have to turn to three different numbers. Is that your experience? That's what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to give you the three numbers that we're going to use for this combination lock. Now what you do is you get this combination lock, and the first thing you do is you turn the dial two ways, all the way to the right to the first number. The first number is the number 24. Say it with me. 24. You're doing it with very, very in lack of enthusiasm, so you're going to forget the number if you're not really careful. So you take this combination, you turn the, num- the, the knob twice to the right to what number? 24. Then you turn it all the way around once to the left to the second number. The second number is the number 12, okay? What's the first number? What's the second number? Then you take that knob and you turn it ever so slightly, not all the way around, but you turn it to the right again to the third number. And our third number is going to be the number six. So what's the second number? uh, You did well. I tried to trick you. What's the first number? What's the last number? The first number? Second number? And the third number? So you turn it all the way to the right twice to number. Then you turn it all the way around left to the second number. Then you turn it partially to the right to the third number. Then you give it a jerk. It opens. You remove it from the, the, uh, the locker handle. You open the locker and you take out the contents therein. I didn't do that very often because I didn't need those books inside the locker whenever I was in high school. But I did go because there were other things in that locker that I needed, and so I would go and use the combination. That's what we're going to do through the morning as we turn to these given passages in Acts that use the word forgiveness. Now, we're going to do this in a rather odd fashion. We're going to start in the back of the book. My dear friend Earl Dennis, who was academic dean at David Lipscomb, taught me a trick years ago. We taught a Bible class for 10 years together at uh, Creve Hall in Nashville, Tennessee. On Wednesday night, we'd meet about 20 minutes before class, and Earl one evening said, have you ever read the Bible backwards? I said, excuse me? He said, turn to a chapter of the Bible and read it backwards. I said, what do you mean? He said, start with the last verse and then read the next to the last verse and then the third to the last verse and just read a chapter in reverse. It's absolutely amazing what you miss when you read a chapter of the Bible that way. Try it if you don't mind when you get home in a chapter of the Bible. 
we're going to turn to the book of Acts, look for the word forgiveness, and we're going to follow that word as it occurs all through the book, but we're going to start in the back of the book. And we'll turn to about five different passages. So how many of us have brought our Bibles? Raise it up high in the air. Let's see it. Good. Raise up your iOS device if that's what you're using. Good. Let's all turn, first of all, to Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26, and we're going to read verses 16 and following. You have Jesus speaking to the Apostle Paul as the Apostle Paul is reflecting on his own conversion. But rise and stand upon your feet, Jesus said to Paul, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. Now read, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive, underline it, forgiveness of sins. Ephesus, forgiveness of sins. And a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. The word that is translated carries the idea of release, being liberated, being freed from prison, if you please. And so I'm reading about being freed from my past, knowing the forgiveness of God. And this passage gives me requisite number one for our reading. It says there must be a turning from darkness to light, from Satan to God, that we may receive forgiveness of sins. Ladies and gentlemen, today God tells me, that if I want to be released from the guilt of my past forgiven, I must be willing to turn from my past and all of its darkness. I must have a desire to turn from my past. It might interest us to know that the word that is translated, turn from darkness, is epistrepho. Strepho means to twist or to turn. It's prefaced by the preposition epi, over. The word picture is to twist or to turn over. Turn over a new leaf. Before I can even engage in the process of doing what God requires of me to do for forgiveness, I must have a desire to turn over a new leaf. I must have a desire to change my life. The Apostle Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians. He said, godly sorrow, 2 Corinthians, godly sorrow works repentance unto salvation. Being disturbed over sin in one's life. It It's what leads to a desire to change the way we think, repent, which is essential to to, to coming to salvation. It all starts with a desire to change one's life because we know we have disappointed God. So before I can ever get inside this locker door, 
I have to start with the combination lock and begin right there. I must have a desire to change my life from wrong to what is right. Brother West, we struggle, we struggle, we struggle to touch the hearts of people and get them to change their lives from Satan to God, from sin to salvation. And the struggle is ours not because people can't hear, it's because they don't want to hear. The desire for change isn't there. Whether it be change of one's religion, change of one's belief system, change of one's behavior, before I can ever know the forgiveness of God, I must have a desire to turn from darkness to light. Behind this locker door in our illustration, you have the heart of God. You have grace. Say amen if you desire the grace of God. Amen. For you to have the grace of God in your possession, for you to know the gift of His forgiveness that comes from His heart, His grace, you have to get inside that locker door. And the first thing that you and I are going to have to do is to pick up this combination lock and start to unlock it. So I pick up the combination lock and I start turning the wheel. And which direction do I turn it? Turn it to the right how many times? I turn it twice and I turn it to what number? 24, you remembered. And so I turn it twice to the right and I turn it to 24 and I give it a jerk. And then what happens? Absolutely nothing. And that's something I need to remember with the process of forgiveness. Just desiring to change from wrong to right does not in itself make me right with God. There are other things God would have me to know and do. And thus that leads us to our second passage of the morning. Turn with me to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, beginning with verse 38. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, here's our word, underline it, forgiveness, offices, release, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, being proclaimed to you. You have forgiveness, release. This passage tells me that I must hear about someone before I can ever know the forgiveness of God. Well, who is this man that is being proclaimed in Acts chapter 13? If we had the time, we could go back and read what Paul is saying earlier in the chapter And we would find that indeed he's talking about Jesus, the son of David, offspring of Jewish royalty. And how he came into the world not only as the son of David, but as the son of God. And how he was crucified and how God raised him up. 
He's talking in context about the man, Jesus. Let it be known to you, therefore, with Jesus in mind, brothers, that through this man, Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. To know the forgiveness of sins, I must not only have a desire to change from wrong to right, I must hear about Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 10 tells us that if we want salvation, we have to first believe. But how can we believe unless we first hear? And how can we hear unless someone preaches? Before I can even believe in Jesus, common sense tells us I have to hear about Jesus. And that's what God tells me in the book of Acts. So I pick up my combination lock. Behind this door is the grace, the heart of God with His forgiveness. And I pick up this combination lock and I turn it twice to the right to number 24. I have a desire to turn from darkness to light. I then turn it all the way in which direction? To the left. To what number? To 12. I hear about Jesus. I give this combination lock a jerk, and what happens? Absolutely nothing. It doesn't open. And so it is with forgiveness. I must do more than just want to change from wrong to right and hear about Jesus. God would have me know and do something else. And that leads us to our third passage of the morning. Turn with me to Acts chapter 10, verse 43. In Acts 10, we find the Apostle Peter in the household of Cornelius. Cornelius has gathered into his house family and friends to hear what God had commanded Peter to say relative to salvation. In verse 43 of Acts chapter 10, this is what Peter said to those present in the house of Cornelius. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives, underline it, forgiveness of sins. Offices, release from sins through His name. This passage tells me that to know God's forgiveness, I must believe in Him. But who is the Him in whom I am to believe, according to this context? In this same Bible lesson... The Apostle Peter says, back in verse 38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Don't miss how specific Peter was on this occasion. Jesus was a common name in Bible times. The New Testament equivalent to the Old Testament Joshua, both of which means he who saves. There are other men named Jesus even in the New Testament. And so Peter is very specific here. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. He's talking about Jesus of Nazareth, God's anointed. 
which is the very meaning of the word Christ. You are the Christ, Son of the living God, as Peter said in Matthew chapter 16. Same man here is talking about Peter as God's Christ, God's anointed. And in that context, he says, everyone who believes in Him, Jesus, receives the release, the forgiveness of sins through His name. Did you know that verse was in the Bible? I would dare say when you talk to somebody about the remission or forgiveness of sins, you do not say that what you have to do is believe in Jesus. But that verse is in the Bible. Now, if I understand the meaning of pastuo, believe, it all begins to take shape. This concept of believe in its comprehensive form carries the idea of accepting what God says, trusting in what God says, and acting on what God says. To Him, Jesus of Nazareth, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who accepts what God says about him, trusts in what God says about him, and acts on what God says about him, has a faith that obeys. In this man or woman that has a faith that obeys, that faith grants him the forgiveness of sins. So I, I, I pick up this combination lock because behind this locked door is the grace of God and I want the forgiveness that flows from His grace, His heart into my life. And so I pick up this combination lock and the first thing is I, I do is I turn it twice to the left to what number? Did you forget the number? I, I, oh, I turn it twice. Which way? Well, why can't I turn it to the left? It won't work? You're a narrow-minded people. Have you ever heard that? In reference to what God requires for salvation. I take this combination lock and I turn it twice to the right. To what number? 24. I must turn from darkness to light, have a desire to change. I turn it all the way to the left. To what number? 12. I must hear about Jesus as the Son of God, the one that God raised from the dead to prove that very fact. Then I turn it partially to what way? To the right. To what number? To number six, I must believe in Jesus as the Son of God. And so I turn from wrong to right. I come to hear about Jesus and I believe in Jesus 24, 12, 6. I give it a jerk and then what happens with this combination lock? It opens. It opens. And so I'm inside the door. Am I right? Have I gotten inside the door? 
I've opened the combination lock. Have I gotten inside the door? No. Just turning it to the right, turning it to the left, turning it partially to the right again, and stopping right there does absolutely nothing. The next thing I have to do is I have to give that a good jerk. And then it opens. And you know, the same thing is true with knowing the forgiveness of God. It just doesn't stop in the book of Acts with this idea of believing in Him. This faith that obeys carries me into doing other matters according to the word forgiveness as it continues to be found in this book. Turn with me now to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5 verse 31. God exalted him. If I look in context, once again, he's talking about Jesus. God exalted Jesus at his right hand as leader and savior to give market repentance to Israel and offices, release, forgiveness, underline it, forgiveness of sins. In this passage, a prerequisite for forgiveness is repentance. I see the same thing where the word forgiveness is used in Acts chapter 8 where a man who became a Christian sinned again and was told to pray as a delinquent, unfaithful Christian. Pray and repent to receive the forgiveness of God. Repentance is another requisite for forgiveness. Now the word that is translated repent, the cognate verb for repentance is metanaeo and basically it carries the idea of changing the way we think. Well no brother Dan to repent means you change the way you live. The word itself means you change the way you think. But help me with this proverb as a man thinks in his heart so is he. So when I change the way I think, what happens? I change the way I live. Now in this passage, I must be willing to change the way I think and thus change the way I live if I want to be released from the guilt of my past. In the contextual flow of Acts, time and time and time again, you will find individuals being called to make drastic change in the way they think. They had to make a huge paradigm shift. Many, 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 many times in the book of Acts, changing the way they thought required a change of religion because they were engrossed in a religion that was a false religion in keeping with New Testament Christianity. And they were taught to change the way they think into thinking the way Jesus teaches with New Testament Christianity. So the changes that we make with repentance carry the idea of changing the way we think and thus changing our behavior. Changing the way we think and even changing 
churches, if you please, changing religions, if that is necessary, as many of them did in the book of Acts. Yes, that is a requirement. If I want the grace, the heart, the forgiveness that flows from God in my life. So, I pick up this combination lock, turn it twice to the right. To what number? What number? Turn it all the way around once to a second number what? I turn it partially to a third number. And then what do I do? I give it. Did you just call me a jerk? I'm sorry. You give it a jerk. And now what? Now you're inside the locker, right? No. You have one more thing to do. Which actually is a combination of two things to do. You have to remove the lock from the handle and open the handle. Then the contents of the locker can be yours to enjoy. That's why I find it interesting that as we read through the book of Acts for this word offices or forgiveness, I find one more passage. We turn to Acts 2, verse 38. You didn't think we'd ever get there, did you? And what does it say? He that repents and is baptized shall receive for the aphasis, or aphasis, the release, the forgiveness of sins, shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So I must not only be willing to change the way I think, I must take that a step farther and see that my thought process moves me to be baptized. Be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. In keeping with what Paul was told in Acts twenty two sixteen, Arise, be baptized, and wash away your sins. So it's not just being baptized or immersed, it's actually being baptized or immersed to be cleansed of our past. I found this just recently. It was an intriguing in, uh, discovery. I was reading through the book of Mark, and in reading through the book of Mark, I was reading about the Jewish ceremonial cleansings. And I came across the word washing. Curiosity got the best of me. And for the word translated washings, I found the term baptismos or baptismoi, which is the word for baptism. You see, the Jews, even in their Old Testament traditions, recognize the concept that baptism this immersion was for the purpose of washing, cleansing. Acts 2.38, repent and wash, be immersed to be cleansed from, forgiven 
of your sins. Actually, the chapter, the verse is far, far, far more specific and emphatic. All of you change the way you think, repent. And each one of you be immersed for the release, for the forgiveness of your sins. And so I pick up my combination lock and I turn it twice to the right to number 24. I must have a desire to turn from darkness to light, but that won't get me into the locker. I must now turn the combination all the way to the left to number 12. I must hear about Jesus as someone who wants to turn from wrong to right. I turn the combination partially to the right one more time to the number 6. I must come to believe in Jesus as the Son of God. I must give this combination lock after I have gone through those three numbers a jerk and it opens then I must remove it from the handle of the locker and I am at liberty to, un, to open the locker and its contents, the grace, the forgiveness of God flows into my direction. This very morning, do you want to change your life from wrong to right? I'm here to tell you that's a wonderful thing, but you do not know the forgiveness of God if that's where you are. Out of that desire to change, you must hear about Jesus. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, left the riches of heaven, became poor, so that you through His poverty might be rich, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. We have read all through the book of Acts and seen repeatedly how that Jesus was raised from the dead by God to prove Him to be the Son of God. You've heard about Jesus this morning. As someone who wants to change from wrong to right, you've heard about Jesus. Do you believe in Him? Do you believe with all of your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Do you have a faith in Jesus as the Son of God that moves you to accept, trust, and act on anything else God tells you to do? required for forgiveness. Then do you have a faith that moves you to change the way you think if it means you have to change your behavior? Do you have a faith in Jesus as the Son of God that moves you to change the way you think even if you have to change religions? You'll not know God's forgiveness unless you come to that point of repentance. And with that kind of faith leading you to engage in that kind of repentance, have you been immersed in water for the purpose of being cleansed from your past sins? It is just that simple. Desire to turn from wrong to right. Hear about Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Be willing to change your thoughts and your life for Jesus. 
be immersed for the forgiveness of your sins into Jesus and you come to know the salvation of God. It behooves me to ask at this very moment, do you enjoy the gift of God's heart? Are you forgiven of your past? We can really help you, and we want to. Did you know that behind me in this vacated area below the screen, there's a container full of water. And I feel confident, like most congregations, these wonderful people have made it available for you to, as a male or as a female, to have a place where you can step in to a very private area and change from your personal clothes into clothing that they have already provided so your clothes won't get wet. And if you're willing to be immersed for the forgiveness of your sins this morning, Brother Wes will help you, Brother Chance will help you, one of the elders will help you, I will help you. If you'll come take Wes's hand or Chance's hand or my hand this morning and say, I want the forgiveness of God. I want to be baptized. Then we'll ask you the question, do you believe with all your heart that Jesus is the Son of God? We'll hear you confess that sweet name. Yes, I do. Then you can go to this private area where you can change clothes and whom you choose will meet you in that container of water. They'll say a few words and then very briefly they will take you and they will immerse you under that water and you'll come up a brand new person forgiven of all of your past with the right and the joy of calling God your heavenly father and fellow Christians your brothers your sisters oh if that's what you need if that's what you want It's what we want for you. Come let us help you as we stand together and as we sing.